Strava Craft Coffee is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in your K-Cups for your Keurig. You can get it whole bean or you can get it ground. And boys, I'm feeling great this morning because I had a little Strava Craft Coffee cold brew. And then, you know, I was feeling a little saucy. So I threw a, a shot of Strava Espresso in there. Now I'm just all, I'm, I'm ramped up. I'm ready to go. You're living dangerously, Ryan. I love it. And do you hear this? That's a little, oh, yeah. that's a little Strava iced coffee right there that I've got going. Ooh, good stuff. You know, uh, they call it a shot in the dark. That's what they call it. So that, that's what I'm rolling with today. Uh, and, we'll, and speaking of shots in the dark, maybe we'll get it to our DraftKings picks of the week later. Um, <laughs> but anyways, make sure you use the code DNVR20 when you get the Strava Craft coffee for your house, and they'll send it straight to your door, whatever you like. There's something at Strava for you. And if you want to try something new, the CBD-infused coffee uh, could really have some benefits for everyone. So make sure you check it out. Make sure you use that code DNVR20 when you do so. Broncos country is Sitting in the south stands Drinking the curds from mile high The best part of the weekend Hugging the perfect stranger they become a friend Having a good time When the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in Every day With the good folks Down at DNVR Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips they will give you rigorous and affordable programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Uh, they've got great stuff going on over there, 40-plus online and hybrid programs, and 750 total classes. So make sure you check out everything they're doing over there. If you are looking to get that degree that maybe you've been putting off, now's a great time, and MSU Denver is a great place to do it. So go to msudenver.edu slash online. My boys, what's up? Happy Thursday. We got the gang back. Happy Thursday, boys. Great to be with you today. Uh, you know I hate missing two in a row, so I definitely could not make it three today. Uh, and uh, sorry that I wasn't there like yesterday. Well, we're happy to have you back now. Great to be here. Uh, some interesting news as it pertains to the Broncos coming out today, and maybe not unexpected um, the Hall of Fame has canceled the Hall of Fame game, which thankfully the Broncos weren't a part of anyway. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, they've postponed the enshrinement ceremony, and it's, it's going to go on next year for all the people who were uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, or were supposed to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. That, of course, includes our guy, Steve Atwater. It's kind of bittersweet here because it's a bummer that this happened. But I think it's for the best, uh, and, and mostly because of the, the guys, that they're going to be able to do this with a full crowd and do it the right way, not some virtual Zoom, this, that, BS. You know, let them do it the real way. They've waited this long. They can wait another year to get enshrined the correct way. That's at least how I feel about it. Yeah, and really, I mean, the, the, the voting process and making it into the Hall of Fame is way more important than the enshrinement itself in terms of like feeling comfortable with it. So Steve's a Hall of Famer. He'll be a Hall of Famer. It'll become very official. He'll get the gold jacket next year. 
but the, the, the big, the big weight off his shoulders is gone by being in the hall of fame um, already. So it is a bummer that it has to wait a year, but Ryan, I totally agree with you. Once it got to this point, uh, it, this this was the right call because you want Steve to have the full weekend where he gets to do everything that all those Hall of Famers get to do. Yeah, and yeah I'm sure that, he feels the same way about this. Go ahead, Mace. I'm I'm sure he yeah, I'm I'm sure he does, and no one wanted it to be a scenario where you had these guys giving their speeches in front of a crowd that was one third what it normally is. So looking out there and seeing a socially distanced crowd on the field and in the stands at the stadium in Canton. And the other thing, part of what the Hall of Fame weekend has become is so many players who are in the Hall of Fame, players and coaches and uh, other officials that are returning to Canton on an annual basis to welcome these new guys, these new guys, this new class into the fraternity. And right now, that would mean you would have been asking a lot of people that are age 60 or older that are in the Hall of Fame to come back and uh, be a part of it. It And they wouldn't have been able to come because of the pandemic that's going on. So everything about this, you couldn't do the way that you want to do. So this is the best call to wait a year. Now, that being said, the logistics of this are going to be interesting because they're going to do the 2020 and 2021 classes in back-to-back days. So if you're a Broncos fan and you were thinking about going to watch Steve Atwater, now you have even more reason because you might get Steve Atwater and Peyton Manning on back-to-back days. Not, not you might, you will. will. And that, that'll be, that'll be such a weekend for Broncos country there. Get to go and see Steve Atwater enshrined. And then the next day, Peyton Manning. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be cooler. So have they already said the teams that were going to play in the Hall of Fame game this year will be the teams next year? Yes. Yeah, they've already kicked that down the road. They just postponed that game a year. What a relief. <laughs> what a relief. It's lined up <laughs> perfectly for us. <laughs> right. And, you know, I'll just be honest here from a personal perspective. After going to the Hall of Fame ceremonies last year um, – I I wasn't like dying to go this year, you know, and I really wanted to go for Steve. But other than that, I didn't have much motivation to go. I feel like now delaying it a year, being another year removed, uh, and then adding Peyton Manning to the mix is a lot more uh, motivation to go. And there might be a lot of people who are like me on that. You know, you had Champ and Pat. They went last year. I, I think it's a cool thing. But it's not one of the, in my opinion, and maybe Mace, you'll disagree with me. It's just not one of those things that's like, I got to be there every year. You know, it's, it's not that sort of event. So I think it could be cool uh, to give people a year off and then, you know, double the fun mm-hmm. in 2021. Uh, they can have that for free if they want it. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, that, that could um, be a little bit more exciting. Yeah, I th- it'll be exciting. The logistics, I think, are going to be fascinating just because you'll have twice as many inductees and thus you're going to have a lot of fans descending upon Canton. So my advice is that if you want to go, start working on your travel plans right now. In fact, I can. I was just checking to see uh, what the cost of uh, hotels were, but you don't have – unfortunately, you don't have the hotels listed yet, although you can – 
you can rent a remodeled Amish home 19 miles from Canton for $142 per night if you check in on Friday and then you check out Monday morning. Ryan, is that what you stayed in last year? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. You know, I think that was actually part of the reason why I didn't love my trip to Canton. I, I stayed – I, like, looked it up before I went. I'm like, this Airbnb is, like – it seems like it's not very far outside of Canton at all. And, man, I had to take, like, three different highways, some, like, back some country road. roads. Yeah, some <laughs> dirt road. And I kept getting home, like, super late at night. I'm driving through this, like – marsh on a dirt road in the middle of the night there's like every time my headlights turn they're illuminating some different eyes everywhere hit not hit i mean it was that was uh not enjoyable i didn't know that they were close to amish country i'm seeing these listings and they're like beautiful unit in amish country beautiful home in amish country i didn't know they had an amish country near canton this is fascinating you can rent homes right in there Honestly, based off of my experience in the surrounding areas of Ohio, I feel like some of those places are Amish country. They don't even know it, but like there's not not technology or anything. (laughs) No Wi-Fi. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, I think it could be really cool next year. You know, you had two last time. You're going to have two next time. Yeah, That's exciting for Broncos fans. I think you'll see uh, once again – I'm sure they'll they'll probably be a team that gets three in, um, in that double class. I would just guess. I'm not sure of that. But either way, I bet you you see another scenario where sixty plus percent of the fans there are wearing orange. Yeah, we know Broncos country travels well, but you also have the the Colts fans that'll be there for Peyton and Indianapolis, not too far from uh, from Canton as well. And man, just keep stacking up the Broncos that are in the Hall of Fame. The, the disrespect card is uh, quickly going out the window, which is good, which is a very good thing. Yeah, it's going to be very competitive, though, for tickets because you have, you have Colts fans because you'll have Peyton Manning in, but also Edgering James, right, as part of, a, part of this year's class as well. So they're going to have the Colts are going to have big time guys on back to back days. And of course we know that Steelers fans always represent well in this class that's being kicked forward another year, you have Troy Palomalu going in, going in along with Steve Atwater. So it's going to be highly competitive. Frankly, I don't think that Tom Benson hall of fame stadium may be large enough to accommodate the hordes that are going to descend upon it next summer as fans try to, take in the back-to-back days of multiple inductees from some of the more popular teams uh, for induction weekend. Wait, you mentioned uh, Colts fans. Did Peyton Manning play for the Colts? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you never know know. based off of how he acts uh, (laughs) now that he's retired. Uh, But yeah, and that, Zach, you mentioned the disrespect card, and I think that leads us to the last part of this conversation I wanted to have, which is, okay, you've got Peyton and Steve going in next year. Who's next after that? I think it's pretty easy, and I Broncos country, half of you guys may be screaming at me, he's not a Bronco! But it's John Lynch. It's the guy that played here for four years. Four oh. straight Pro Bowls his entire time. He's not time. a Bronco. <laughs> but he'll be the next one. He was a finalist uh, last year. And now he is kind of viewed as the opposite of Peyton Manning in terms of you can really 
make a strong case that Peyton Manning is more of a Bronco than a Colt. You, you can't really make that case for John Lynch it, it, as a Bronco over a buck, but he still had four years here and he will be the next one uh, that goes into the hall of fame in my opinion. Yeah. I, John Lynch, it, it is a matter of when, not if he seen he's kind of passing into that perpetual candidate mode, but after a while, when those guys, with the exception of Jerry Kramer, who had to wait decades, uh, those guys, they keep getting into the room as finalists. Eventually, they kick the door in. So that being said, I think that maybe John Lynch does have to wait a couple more years. I'm going to be optimistic. Hey. Randy whoa, Gresh. Whoa, stop the show right now. Mace being yeah. optimistic. Holy I'm going to be optimistic about Randy Gratishar because he should have gotten in with the larger class of seniors that was going to go in in September of this year, and he didn't get, and he didn't get in. And that was the biggest oversight in that, in that senior class. But I know that Randy is, if not at the head of the line, among seniors for future classes is right there in that top group. I think Randy Gratishar will be the next Bronco in the Hall of Fame after Peyton Manning and Steve Atwater. And maybe Randy even goes in next year as one of these seniors in the 2021 class. Wow, how about that? Then you have three? That would be insane. And it would be insane, especially for Randy, because, A, you'd have already the Bronco contingent there for, for Steve and for Peyton. But also, Randy Gratishar grew up in Ohio, went to Ohio State. Him being in the Hall of Fame in Canton really completes the circle on his football life in a way that should have happened long ago. But I think there's probably nobody – that the ceremony would mean more to the ceremony of being inducted in Canton, Ohio than Randy Gratishar. Oh man, that's awesome. I really hope it happens. And I hope you're right and not Zach because John Lynch isn't really a Bronco. <laughs> yeah. I was so mad when Randy did not get in in January. I think that uh, I've, I've taken umbrage and taking shots at the Hall of Fame many times over the years, but Randy not being in that huge senior class was the one that pushed me over the edge. I agree. And that's just why that I thought that was his best opportunity by far. And that's just why I don't have confidence. And so I guess that there is a little bit of disrespect there for um, significantly older people that, that are trying to get in from the Broncos, but in terms of new people, there's not, but there is still that disrespect for those Broncos. And maybe it's because of how good technology has been the last two decades uh, where everyone across the country can see how good Steve Atwater was and all good these players were, but they couldn't see that uh, w- with the players who were decades ago. It's really true. And Mace, you mentioned, you know, how cool it would be for the contingent for Steve and Peyton, who are two of the most beloved Broncos of all time, uh, you know, and maybe some Broncos fans who became fans of the team in the 90s uh, would really get a master class in just how great Randy Gratishar was um, because they're, you know, being a part of that weekend for Peyton and Steve, and then they end up learning a hell of a lot uh, about them. Yeah, he's he's at worst a, a top 10 Bronco. You could make the argument he's a top five all-time Bronco. And 
in terms of that masterclass, I'd say start learning now. There is actually uh, – there are a few games of Randy Gratishar that are floating out there on, on YouTube, and there's one in particular. It's actually not a full game, but it's, it's highlights. And the thing with Randy Gratishar, if you look at his stat line, you're like, man, that guy had a lot of tackles. Randy Gratishar was also amazing in coverage, and there's a game in 1978 in the Kingdom in Seattle – where he drops back into coverage against uh, – and Jim Zorn goes back to throw. And Randy, this big tackling machine of a linebacker, makes an incredibly ballet-like interception, toe-tapping near the sideline to stay in bounds and get the Broncos the football back. And it was that sort of, the fact that he could bring the thunder in the box, but he could also drop into coverage and he could make, make incredibly athletic plays – he really was the complete package at linebacker. And uh, I, it kills me that he hasn't gotten his due, but anything that would allow Bronco fans to learn more about the great Randy Gratishar is something that I'm, I'm all for. You're going to find few better players or few better people that have ever come through the NFL. Yeah, w- without a doubt. But Mace, how does this push happen? H- how does he get the recognition from everyone outside of Denver that watched him? Well, I think all of us just have to keep pushing. You know what? We have tangible evidence that our lobbying, annoying as it may be to, to a lot of people, has worked. Yeah. Because yeah. Pat Bowen is in the Hall of Fame, and Steve Atwater is going to go into the Hall of Fame. The imbalance has been ha, has started has begun being corrected. Yeah. The glitch is on its way to being fixed. But that being said, you know, we can talk about Randy Gratishar. We can talk about Louis Wright, another seniors guy. Carl Mecklenburg is in the seniors pool now. And to me, he has a great case because his resume is literally unique to all of football history, given the fact that he could line up at any one of seven positions in the front seven back in the 80s and 90s. If you want to want to get a great endorsement on Carl Mecklenburg, go talk to uh, Wade Phillips in particular, and he will talk your ear off about how Carl Mecklenburg should be in the Hall of Fame and uh, how he could do so much with him. So just, just because if we get Randy Gratishar in, that's great. We get John Lynch in, that's great. And the Broncos are better represented than they ever have been in the Hall of Fame. But the, the fight goes on, guys. There are, there are others that, that we can talk up. And you know what? In 10 or 15 years, we might be sitting here talking up Chris Harris Jr. saying, why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? He was an all-decade cornerback. And yeah. he played for the no-fly zone. There's always going to be somebody that we can promote and push to get their due in camp. Yeah, Broncos are going to have a ton of people coming in in the next decade. Uh, and that's going to be so exciting. So, Ryan, I toss it to you. Who is it? Who's the next one after those two? Uh, man. <laughs> Howard Griffith. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, pro- I- I'm going to ride with, uh, with Mace here and say that it's going to be Randy. Wow. And th- these are predictions. These aren't like who we would want. Yep. 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 Wow. Wow. I just, uh, I, you're giving me the longest odds. I absolutely love it. I'll, I'll run that to DraftKings Sportsbook. All right. Um, you know what? Yeah. I, th- I don't know. I don't know what, what your odds would be there. Um, but if the odds were next Bronco to make the Hall of Fame, I don't even know if John Lynch would be on the board. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're one of those Twitter people, aren't you? Just a troll. 
Mace is, is muted, but it sounds like he has a really good <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it helps the franchise to have more guys. I, I think four years is the standard. Thus, I mean, I'm claiming Willie Brown because he played four years for the Broncos and he was an all AFL selection. Yeah, he's more of a Raider, but I'm still claiming Willie Brown. So Four this really standard. This really has nothing to do with uh with the Hall of Fame. It really has everything to do with them putting him in the Ring of Fame, and that just made me mad. And now, I'm, and that put me in this world where I'm uh I'm against John Lynch for some reason. <laughs> You're against guys who are pro bowlers every year. They're with the Broncos. <laughs> I just, it was just so egregious to put him in in front of some of the other people that should be in there. That okay, just, I, I I agree on that. It's so I, I just – it's like it's like when someone – what's a good example? It's like when someone you don't like, like, loves a certain athlete so much that it just makes you not like them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you guys, uh, you guys aren't considering Ty Law a Denver Bronco Hall of Famer? No. Certainly not. Yeah, don't I mean, you worry. Gotta consider I'm, I'm not Brian either. Dawkins before Ty Law. I yes, I know. Like, I'm kidding, Mace. I know. I, I love Doc, but he was one of my favorite players to cover. But I, I'm not claiming him as a Bronco, and I'm I'm not really going to claim Demarcus Ware either as a Bronco because he only played three years, even though he he was a part of some big time, big some big times and some and some great years for the Broncos. But uh, so Mace, ring of fame worthy. Hmm. Only Ooh. if you count that year he was a part-time coach. Um, <laughs> here, I think that worked against his chances. <laughs> yes, yeah. seriously. Because he was off doing Dancing with the Stars at the same time. I, I'm going to quote you, RK. Here's the thing with DeMarcus. If you're making a list of the, most imp- of the 40 most important Broncos in franchise history, DeMarcus wears on that list. Then put him in the Hall of Fame for, or the the Ring of Fame. End of but, story. I don't need uh, to hear a but. He doesn't hit, but he doesn't hit the the standard. I mean, Pat Boland said you've got to play four years or coach four years. Do the Broncos win in Super Bowl Fifty without Demarcus Ware? No, but do they win this? Do they win Super Bowl Fifty without uh, without Ryan Harris, without Ryan Harris being able to be plugged in at tackle, without yes. uh, without Evan Mathis being plugged in at guard, well, without C.J. Anderson. I mean, there's you could go down the list. There's a lot of guys. That, that 2015 team, it was a perfect stew that drew an inside straight. But, Everything but Mace, had to go right, and it did. But, Mace, I'm saying you couple the fact that you're saying he's uh, a top uh, 40 important Bronco of all mm-hmm. time, plus the fact that you don't win a Super Bowl without him, I think Pat Bullen would say, okay, here's an exception. And, and I'm not trying to make an argument for for uh, uh, for DeMarcus where I haven't thought about this much at all. But, um, actually, yeah, I'm trying to make an argument. I think, okay, I think, I think he's got to be in there just because of just what you said, Mace. It, <clears throat> One of the 40 most important Broncos. And how many are in the Ring of Fame? I think uh, it's in the 30s now. I think 33 or 34, including coaches and owners and so forth. Of course, he doesn't have the Super Bowl, but Tim Tebow is one of the 40 most important Broncos. Oh, well, he'd be in for me, that's for sure. (laughs) 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 On to Marcus, I think it, it cannot be overlooked his greatest contribution to the Broncos, and it was not on the field. It was coaching year. 
It was when he brought those boxing gloves. <laughs> no. um, it, it was maturing Von Miller. Um, yeah. that, that changed the course of history for the Broncos. You know, Von Miller very well could have been a player who never fully matured and never reached his full potential and was always kind of a goofball, troublemaker type of player. You know, remember Von Miller's first, what was it, five, four or five years in the league? You know, he was in and out of trouble. He was also hurt. Um, and DeMarcus Ware comes around and, and he, I mean, Von Miller completely changed uh, because of DeMarcus Ware. So I think that is, is DeMarcus's greatest contribution to the Broncos. And I think that is a, is a ring of fame worthy contribution. Wow. Every word, every word you said is true. The question is whether it's you, you look at that year as the part-time coach and say the fourth year, if you're, if you're willing to do that or gosh, I mean, just, just, come hang around and do what Steve Atwater's doing for a year, be an ambassador. I would, I would take that to get to the fourth year because that's how it, because every point you mentioned about him helping Von Miller is true. And it goes beyond that. He was the Peyton Manning of the defense. Yep. He was the guy that brought everybody together. He, he was he the, gave the speech. He gave the speech. He provided accountability and, it was something that the team needed at that point because Champ Bailey was gone. So there was a huge leadership void when Champ walked out the door and DeMarcus Ware filled it. So I, I, I am 100% on board with all you're saying, RK. I just – he's got to get that fourth year somehow, <laughs> some way. And maybe I'm just being anal retentive about the details here. About the four years. I'm going to count that. You know, if you want to make it easy, you say, oh, he was a coach for one year. It counts. But, uh, that's, but that said, does he get in before – and this is the, the John Lynch argument, and it's valid. Should he get in before Riley Odoms, Ed McCaffrey, Steve Foley, the all-time interception leader in Bronco history, Al Wilson, Trevor Price? I would say no. Those guys need to be in the ring of fame. Well, yeah, and, and, and my argument for him isn't like a first ballot ring of famer by any means. It's just that I think he, he will – and maybe it's what he, he'll be the 40th guy that gets in the ring of fame. How about that, Mace? That'll be fitting, right? And, and just, would be, just, would be. just so, uh, just so we, uh, we clear this up, I actually think that John Lynch played better for the Broncos than DeMarcus Ware. So. John Lynch in in 04 and 05 John Lynch he got there in a different way it was more about the mental side than 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 what he could do physically because he had lost kind of a half step but 04 and 05 and I and with all respect guys I think I'm I have some authority on this being a close observer of the Buccaneers 04 and 05 in terms of what he meant to the team is in his in his importance and his play stack up alongside his prime years of 97 98 99 2000 yeah yeah and i'm not disagreeing with with i wasn't never going to disagree with you mace on that and ryan i i'm not disagreeing about what you said but then how are you throwing shade at john lynch (laughs) (laughs) he was still put in too early and his contributions didn't amount to anything Mm. 
because they picked a bad day to have a bad day in the parlance of John Fox. If, if the Broncos beat the Steelers in the AFC Championship, and then almost certainly I think they beat the Seahawks because the Seahawks really were not a, a, a very good team as far as Super Bowl teams go. We're not having this discussion, right? We're saying nope. – and actually, we're not having this discussion about John Lynch being the next Hall of Famer. If the Broncos win Super Bowl forty, John Lynch is already in the Hall of Fame. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's just like DeMarcus Ware, one, played incredible on the way to a Super Bowl, played incredible in a Super Bowl, and was the mentor to a Super Bowl MVP. Like, he – his – on the field, at least full body of work, I think actually isn't as good as John Lynch. Now, in one spurt, when it was most important, he made more important contributions uh, than, than John Lynch, which, what to me, is worth more on the whole in terms of bring a fame induction. You know what that makes him? That makes him the Broncos' Ray Bork. Yeah. Yep, right. Ray Bork. Ray Bork's number is in the stand or is in the rafters. I, I don't know if it should be, but it is. <laughs> so, guys, I, I think I found the way to to settle any potential debates we have on uh, if guys are Broncos or not, and that's by uh, going where where we go to to find out about this, and that's Wikipedia, and seeing what jersey they're wearing in their <laughs> one Wikipedia photo. Can you guess what jersey Peyton Manning's wearing? Broncos. Broncos. In, in classic Peyton form, he's not wearing a jersey. He's wearing a suit. But there's an orange background to him. Okay, what, we'll count that. What about John Lynch? I bet you he's he's in a Broncos uniform with a blue one with a, that white elbow pad. Mm, I like I, that you that you got creative. Okay, I, you know what? Um, Mace is cheating. Mace is I can see him up. looking it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, here, here's the hint I'll give you, Mace. If you get this right, you cheated. He's got a bronc. No, I, I remember this, but <laughs> what you well, can't no, because remember I, I someone's cut... Wikipedia. No. Because I was at, I was, I covered him <laughs> in this environment. I did cover a Pro Bowl with John. Oh, you cheater! You <laughs> cheater! Oh no, my God. You want you want to know who I'm looking up? Actually, because I am looking Lynch. at my screen. No, Ty Law. Ty Law's picture is him in a Bronco yep. uniform. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because there is some magnificent bastard who, who is in the stands at Mile High who takes pictures of all these guys and puts them on Wikipedia. So that's you. there's something that I have noticed over the years on Wikipedia. There's an outsized percentage of photos of guys at Mile High which means for someone like Ty Law, he is in a Broncos uniform <laughs> and on his Wikipedia page. It's Mace astounding. Is, Mace is going to great lengths to try and devo- uh, <laughs> detour this conversation with the fact that he 100% was going to say that he knew what, what John Lynch's Wikipedia photo was after looking You want to see? <laughs> oh, there. You see, it. I started looking up John Lynch there, but I didn't get there. See? Uh, <laughs> at the top right <laughs> this is like that that ryan edwards golf story oh man <laughs> okay. oh man well too bad too bad colin for mullins or, or yeah our guy mullins didn't get uh, uh this type of wikipedia shot yeah i'll definitely be able to win that trivia question one day what was nick <laughs> mullins wikipedia photo right. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, we we got to move on. We got to get to our DraftKings picks of the week. Presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook, the best sportsbook app in America. Highly recommend it. Tons of fun. All sorts of fun props on there. So uh, let's get into these DraftKings picks of the week. Uh, and I'll start by just mentioning that um, I had Wolves last week, and they won. Hey, look at you. But to be fair, the week before was a loss. Yeah, yeah. Well, what can you do? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go first, uh, and I'm just going to let it ride. Take the winnings from last week's Wolves game. Uh, they won midweek. They're going to win again on Saturday, uh, 5.30 a.m. If you're an early riser, they'll be taking on Aston Villa. Uh, Wolves minus 132, so you're giving up a little bit of value there, but uh, I like it. They're, they're playing. They're in good form right now. Uh, they've got a lot of confidence. They're fighting for a Champions League spot. They're playing a team that isn't all that great in Aston Villa and they're going to win against. So are we still betting against everything that you say, or are we off that now? No, Fade RK has been put to sleep. Uh, I am, let's see, what am I? Eight, six, nine, and seven. I'm 10 and eight in my last 18. There we go. There we, so the only fading that's going oh, actually, on with our... I, actually, uh, I had Bryson DeChambeau under 66 and a half today, and he shot 65, so we're up to 11 and eight in my last 19. Hey, there we go. So the only fading going on with RK is the hair. Exactly, which hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> well, Ryan, I, li- I like that pick. And uh, with baseball returning, I got to go to the diamond. And I'm going to give you a long play here. Rockies to win the World Series. Just sprinkle a little bit on there. I'm not telling you to go put 100 bucks on there. But, guys, the odds are too juicy to pass up. I got to say, I thought Ryan was going to be all over this one. He's shaking his head, hates it. But plus 15000 So put 100 bucks on there. When the Rockies win the World Series, you'll win 15000 bucks. Put 10 bucks on it. You'll win 1500 Put $1 on it, and you'll win $150. And, guys, I actually do like the odds for this, 150 to 1, because the Rockies just – they have a ton of talent. Do I think they're going to win the World Series? No. But at 150 to 1, they have they have the talent to do it. They have the offensive talent to do it. <laughs> right. Um, and, and when do they always fade? After 60 games, right? Yeah, so the playoffs. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> you get to the you get to the playoffs, that's where you say, "Okay, it's a crapshoot and uh, you know, maybe you're going against a team that's had I mean, and this is the reality that we face this year. You go, you get a matchup. Oh, oh, wait, they're facing the Braves. Oh, no, there's a COVID-19 outbreak on the Braves roster. They don't have Acuna. They don't have Freeman. They, they, they don't have Mike Soroka. Ugh, the Rockies advance. You're, you're building the argument for me, Mace. I love it. Well, yeah. th- th- this is the year of random, you know, this is the year of the greatest likelihood of random outcomes in baseball. Exactly. Because of the pandemic and because of the short season. As we've seen with the Rockies, almost any team can put together a decent competitive 60-game stretch. It's just a question of whether it happens in these 60 games. Yep. Exactly. This should – this, with the shorter sample size, is going to – and especially with 
uh, with the playoffs. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't go with the 16-team postseason. They're just going with a traditional alignment. This is something that it lends itself to not betting on the favorites. So you want me to give you my pick because it's kind of in that vein as well? Would love it. All right. It's not going to be the Rockies to win the World Series. But I'll tell you what, I am astounded that last year's world champion, the Washington Nationals, is sitting there with 18 to 1 odds when their rotation, you can argue, is the strongest in baseball. And I think the short season is going to benefit. It's going to lead to some random outcomes, but it will benefit the teams that have the strongest rotation especially if let's say you lose a picture for a couple of weeks uh, because they're because they test positive for the novel coronavirus. Well, the nationals with the depth they have in their, in their rotation with Max Scherzer, Steven, you know, Steven Strasburg, uh, Patrick Corbin, because of that, I think the nationals have the, the arms to hold up over the course of a season. And at 18 to one, there are, they, they come in, tied for sixth in terms of odds you know you can you know, the, the twins are 16 to 1 the Braves are 13 to 1 the Yankees are 4 to 1 I like the value on Washington at 18 to 1 to win the World Series and they and yes, won't go back to back they won't have to uh play the ass or the, the cheaters on their way there well that's true I mean they could play the cheaters in the World Series but uh they then they'll be, be cheating Right at that point. Although, yeah, good luck trying to uh, make your garbage your, your garbage can noises uh, <laughs> in an empty stadium and get away with that. That's gonna be that's gonna be fun. Wait, yeah. did, did the Astros really not get banned from the postseason for even one year? They they didn't. I mean, oh my God. They, they didn't listen to me. I I said you need to ban them from the postseason for two years. You need to give them no draft picks for three years. Give a punishment that's got some oomph in the parlance of Vic Fangio. Didn't happen. I'm frustrated. MLB, spineless. Real quick, I'll take this opportunity to plug DNVR Bets Daily. And the reason (laughs) that I'm doing that is because yesterday on DNVR Bets Daily, I was talking about this golf tournament. And I said, it's a, you know, we, we talked about the par on the course. Par on the course there is 70. And I said, the conditions are going to be perfect there's a chance that we might be on 59 watch at some point this week. Well, folks, Mackenzie Hughes is on the tee at the 18th hole. If he, if he birdies 18, we've got 59. So I was correct about that. 59 watch Ooh. happens on day one in the first grouping out on the course. There could be some extremely low scores out there this week. Dang, you got to feel great about that. Good call. Thank you. Thank you. And that's, that's one away from the best round in PGA Tour history. 58 is the best ever. Uh, and it was done right here at the, uh, I think it's called the TPC River Highlands out there in Hartford, Connecticut. Whew, wow, a 58. I've, I've uh, done that on, you know, four holes. Yeah, 58 <laughs> on the front nine. If I, exactly. have, yeah, if I have a front nine of 58, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Come on. You guys got to at least be trying to break 100. <laughs> Maybe around if there. You, if, you give the me like, if you give me three strokes, three or four strokes aside, yeah, I can break 100. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, our own Adam Adas, 
is uh, beginning his own golf journey right now. Uh, he, I don't know, he kind of just decided that he wants to be a golfer. And uh, Allie Monroy is working on her golf swing. And Harrison Wind also wants in on the golf. I think we should have a company-wide race to break 100 for all of the, for all of the uh, beginner golfers. Oh, that could be fun. I mean, what's a beginner start at? would you say oh i don't know um 120 is like okay i feel like just about anyone can go on the golf course and shoot 120 so when i shoot 150 it's gonna be very embarrassing yeah yeah that would be a tough (laughs) maybe when we do this we can get some of these odds up on DraftKings sportsbook and let you guys bet who's gonna break a hundred first and guys, speaking of DraftKings Sportsbook, the sports landscape is ever-changing, as we certainly know, and this week is no different. And luckily for all the sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered. And for a limited time, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Guys, this week is full of action. From golf, like we were just talking about, to European soccer, and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. And that's not all. Head to the app now to check out all the special odds and promotions that will be available through the week to help you make it rain. And they're based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. And you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And guys, make sure to check them out now because they have their best sign-up offer right now. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So don't forget, enter that code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And what goes great with bets? Beers. Beer. Nothing quite like a, a weekend full of just getting action on sports and drinking Breck brews. Uh, and you can do that this weekend to really with any of the great Breck brews. We might recommend the Mile High City 15 can pack. That'll probably get you through, you know, Friday night. And then you can go back and get another one on Saturday or maybe, you know, maybe it'll last you two nights. Whatever uh, you're doing this weekend, I feel that as a Breck brews would be a great accompaniment to what you have planned so head out head down to davidson's head down to wherever you get beers and get yourself a a, a case of breck brews Mm, could go for a breck brew and some DraftKings right now there's no doubt about that i can also go for talking to our listeners and let's jump into the comments first one coming in from manning's forehead super behind on podcasts and just heard the june 8th podcast where Buff Devil left his or her comment, first comment, and all I can say is, let's go! Cronkite Nation, stand up! So glad to see another member of the greatest journalism school join the greatest sports journalism family. Forks up! Real quick, did you know that we just brought in our newest hire who went to the uh, Walter Cronkite School of Journalism? So not only in the comments, but on the actual team, on the squad, our new uh, social media director, Michaela Perkins, a graduate 
of the Walter Cr Cronkite School of Journalism at ASU. Is this, setting up, is this setting up for the first uh, DNVR podcast that is not about a Colorado team? The DNVR Sun Devils podcast? Yeah, nope. <laughs> not, certainly not setting up for that. Oh. So when Manning's forehead listens to the June 25th episode, probably on July 14th, I'm sure he'll be pumped. That's true. Absolutely. Next right. one. Count, oh. Count Locula. Would you rather pitch a no-no, bowl of 300, golf 600 at Pebble Beach, win an Olympic decathlon, win in straight sets at Wimbledon, or score a game winner in the World Cup in front of your home fans? The rest of your career starts and ends in misery, let's say, so you get the one shining moment. What are you doing? Why? The victory will not bring you money in this scenario. Just a quick zenith of pride and glory. Love the count. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> I feel like I know where both of you are going. I oh, hang on here. Predictable. Um, okay. So six under at Pebble Beach would be incredible, but we're not, we haven't even mentioned what tournament, like, is this the U.S. Open? Now I'm a little more intrigued, but also it's only one of four days unless six under on the tournament. If it's a U.S. Open, that actually might win. Uh, not enough detail here for me to go for the six under at Pebble Beach. I was thinking um, there you could even just be with your buddies. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's really cool, but I actually think this one is pretty easy. Yeah, and, and predictable. I am going to take the game winner yep. in the World Cup <laughs> in front of the home fans. Um, one of my best sports memories ever is Landon Donovan's goal against Algeria in which he scored in like the 93rd minute to advance the U.S. into the group stage or into the uh, knockout stage and it was 10 years ago this week by the way it was and that was I mean I'll never forget where I was how I celebrated people were hugging each other beers were flying the reaction to a game winner in the world cup might be the most intense reaction in all of sports so I will, I'll take that one there is one thing though about this you score a game winner in the world cup in front of your home fans that's good you don't get money you get, but if you win the Olympic decathlon, do you get a gold medal? Because yeah. that's actually something tangible that you get. So I'm actually going with the decathlon here because at least I'll get a gold medal. Yeah, well, you get a gold medal and you're an Olympian for the rest of your life. You're a gold medal Olympian for the rest of your life. And you can call yourself world's greatest athlete. But uh, do you know what the last person to win the Olympic decathlon gold medal even looks like? like can you imagine them in your head right now? Does that matter? Yes, because everyone knows what, what the person who scored the game winner in the World Cup looks like. I'm trying to, you know, benefit off of this. I'm thinking free beer in any city I go to forever. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, you don't get money in this, but I guess, yeah, you could, you could get freebies for the rest of your life. Now, if money came into play, I think there's no question. If, if it's about money, scoring a game winner in the World Cup in front of your home fans means that you can spend the rest of your life just being you and signing autographs and making public appearances and then you're set you don't have to work again right also yeah um you also you know based off of what we know in the world cup some english premier league team is going to overpay you grossly based off of something dope you did in the world cup <laughs> it's true it's it's true and th this one just it doesn't feel fair, and I, and I know the count uh, said we were too predictable last time, or I guess maybe unpredictable, but this one feels predictable because just the odds 
or what's at stake are so much higher in the soccer one, you know, in yeah. the World Cup, all the other ones, we don't really know what the odds are, uh, but I'll just pick Except a different one. Except for the decathlon. One. Right, it, it's true. I'm going to pick a different one. Of all of the things the count mentioned, what is the biggest sport in America of all of these? Uh, the top one, it's baseball. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take being the best and the biggest sport in this country. Pitch a no-no. And you said, maybe I won't be able to get free freebies and free drinks for the rest of my life at every city in the country, but I'll be able to get free drinks for the rest of my life in that one city. That's probably true. So a couple things that he could have changed here that might have altered my opinions. One, instead of pitching a no-no, pitch a perfect game. Now, okay. now we're thinking of something that is extremely rare. Um, no hitters aren't all that rare in baseball in terms of some of the other feats that you can accomplish. It's right on par with the cycle, um, which also would be awesome, but neither is awesome as uh, a, a perfect game. The other one, golf. If he would have said golf six under at Augusta in the Masters, <laughs> then I'm probably going with that. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, those are the two that I think will change it. And then maybe bowl a 900 in bowling in an actual <laughs> tournament when you have to bowl three, three rounds. <laughs> oh, man, great question, though, Count. Those are always fun. Next one coming in from Double D, out of left field here. But, Mace, I just couldn't leave you hanging on the tomato sandwich issue. It's been gnawing at me for, the, for a while, so here it goes. I'm totally on board with the underappreciated tomato, tomato sandwich. My grandpa had a big property in upstate New York, so in retirement, one of his many interests was growing big beefsteak tomatoes. Often for lunch in the summers, we would each be sent out on the tomato patch to pick a big, ripe, ruby red beauty. Then we would take two slices of bread and load them up with mayo, salt, and pepper. Then we would cut a nice half-inch thick slice right out of the middle of the big tomato and plop that single slice of deliciousness on the weighted, on the waiting ready bread. The tomato slice was usually wider and longer than the bread slices themselves. Then we would dig in. The tomato would still be warm from the sun. Usually it was so juicy that before the last bite, it would all collapse in a delicious soggy mess that you would finish off with a spoon. The rest mm. of the tomato would go into the dog's dishes, which they would gobble down faster than we could make the sandwiches. Can't relive that, but I still love a classic tomato sandwich. It's nice with a slice of Swiss or Munster cheese. Tomato sandwich fandom, unite. That sounds amazing, by the way. It didn't and even make me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you weren't even uh, taken in by by the Belk Bowl changing of the Duke's mayonnaise bowl and the video of Luke Keekley making a tomato sandwich and eating it. That, that was, didn't draw you in? I, it, it normalized it to me. Like, I didn't think you were a freak anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's the, the really comforting. <laughs> I mean, they should have made a sandwich like Double D's talking about. Then it would have looked good. The one that Luke Keekley made was so weak. Oh, yeah, the tomatoes that Luke Keekley had, they didn't, they didn't cut the mustard in terms of being worthy of a tomato sandwich or just the tea sandwich. It just didn't. He, he had to do better than that. It's like, again, I, I think we said it, Zach, last week. It's like they went down to 
Harris Teeter because they shot it in Charlotte and got the cheapest tomatoes that they could find when they really should have gotten their butts to a farmer's market and gotten some fresh vine ripened ruby red tomatoes kind of like the ones that Double D mentioned. Is cutting the mustard like cutting the cheese? I'm not quite sure I've heard of that before. Well it's it depends what kind of mustard you're cutting, I guess. Are we cutting mustard that's just plain yellow French's mustard? Or are we actually cutting some good mustard with seeds in it? How do you cut mustard, though? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the point. It's hard to cut. It's hard to cut mustard. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I feel like like you, can't, you, just... you can't unscramble eggs. <laughs> I feel like if you just like put a pile of mustard on a cutting board and then just put a knife in the middle of it and slid slid it to the left you cut the mustard it's right in half but it's liquid enough to where it's always going to fill the <laughs> void naturally eh. <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean if it's stone ground it's got some thickness to it yeah but like regular mustard if you, you know you yellow mustard if you put it on there or even like dijon mustard because that's smooth like gray poupon and you try to cut it and it's just going to Go right in. Especially if you're talking about like the first squeeze when it's pretty much just liquid that comes out. That's probably hard to cut. But you can probably cut, you can cut mustard seeds. Yeah, you could. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Quick update. He did not shoot 59. He didn't, he parred 18. So, oh, uh, so you're still hanging out. Mackenzie Hughes. Well, I didn't say that it was going to happen. I just said we'd be on watch. Oh, on watch. Okay. Happened. Well, yeah, definitely on watch since we were literally on watch with this podcast with that. We, we quite were. Next one here from Mark Shippers. He says, hey, DNVR crew, I'm kind of tanked. Had some pork chops and Millers tonight. My comment is, if you guys could have Denver go four and two in the AFC West, what would our outcomes be? Mine would be sweep Casey because F those buttholes. And even, uh, even with the other two, I just hate KC. Go DNVR. Mark in Kansas. <laughs> well, Mark, not just hating them because you live in Kansas, but I, I think that's the route you take. If you sweep the Chiefs and split with the other two, well, you beat the other two guys, uh, and then you can just write off those other games as you were overlooking them. I think that would show that the Broncos are, are legit. If the Broncos went 2-0 and against the Chiefs, everyone would be talking about them as a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Yeah, and, and still, at the end of the day, you just went 4-2 and two against your division. Are you happy with the losses against the Chargers and the Raiders? Certainly not. But 4-2 and two sweeping the Chiefs, yeah, you'll take that any you're, year, I mean, around, around this era. You're not happy, but at the same time, that sort of outcome would be consistent with what we see often with young emerging teams, that they have some games they win that you wouldn't ordinarily expect, and they have some losses that are head scratchers. The, the list of young emerging contenders that have outcomes like that is actually pretty long. So it wouldn't at all surprise me if you saw, if you saw the Broncos have this sort of scenario. That said, the problem is this year, it requires you winning in Kansas City in December. And that's always tough, even for great Broncos teams. Sunday night football, right? Yeah. And that's why it'd be even more impressive, even more impressive for the country to see Next one coming in from Dan Burke says, did y'all see Chris Harris Jr. talking mess on his Instagram comments? Here's what he responded to Broncos fans who are criticizing him. I don't know where to start with this. And here's what Chris said, according to Dan. He said, all y'all talking, LLL. I balled for nine years, one decent year with BS system, and they didn't play me at my position. 
Don't believe the BS. I'm coming. Mm. Oh, my God. They didn't play him at his position, huh? The one that he wanted, that he was asking to play? I mean, how? How can you be so not self-aware? He literally said, I'm done playing in the slot. That, that, that was a quote from Chris Harris Jr. Yep. <laughs> And then they they made sure that happened. They gave him what he wanted, and now he claims like he was done wrong. After getting additional $3 million, might I add. Yeah, give yeah. me an absolute <laughs> break. I mean, good God. He, I mean, I, I can't stress this enough. He said, I'm done playing in the slot. That was a quote <laughs> when he wasn't voted to the Pro Bowl. Yep, yep. And, um, yeah, this I, – I love Chris, and he's right. He had nine fantastic years with the Broncos. Uh, and last year was certainly not his best year, maybe his worst year as a Bronco. But, man, if he just – even if he left to the Chargers, but just stopped saying things like this, Broncos fans would just be like, oh, it's a business. I understand that he had to go to a division rival. But everything else he's done this offseason is just really putting a sour taste in Broncos fans – Mouth. I mean, that's one of the first things when I talk to Broncos fans about this offseason, they say is they say, man, I really don't like the way Chris left. And that's really unfortunate because he's one of the best Broncos of this generation and he'll be in the ring of fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame conversation, but it's it's just a bummer that he just keeps poking Broncos fans. Yeah, he and eventually the hard feelings are going to pass and Chris Harris Jr. is going to be a beloved Bronco again. But if, uh, if there are fans in the stands, when the chargers come to Denver, I'm actually going to revise my prediction. I think he's going to get, uh, get a few more boos and jeers than, than I expected a few months ago. Yeah, I think so too. So, so I wasn't able to find uh, the exact quote that I was referencing there, though. I very specifically remember that, that statement. Uh, but here you go. Here is an interview with Nine News in 2018 in which he says, I like being on the outside because that's where I can get more picks. I can read the quarterback more. I can use my coverage skills a lot more. I can make a lot more plays. In the slot, I'm always with my back to the quarterback. I'm man-to-man most of the time, so I can't see where the ball's going. It's hard to make those plays. That's the reason why the outside is better. The outside should have way more picks. <laughs> and that wasn't the only time he said uh, things like that during that offseason. Yeah. 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 And Dan Burke continues and says, also, what did y'all make of Drew Brees throwing to Emmanuel in Denver and managing to be only the second best quarterback named Drew in the state of Colorado? I know the NFLPA has advised against players doing sessions like this, but given that Brady and now Brees are doing it, do y'all think our Drew should continue to organize them? No, and that is mainly because I don't want to have to uh, dress him down the way on radio I dressed down Tom Brady for organizing the sessions. It, the yeah. NFLPA is saying, is recommending don't do this. Just, you got some work in, that's good. You're ahead, you're ahead of the curve a little bit. Don't defy that. Stay, stay on the straight and narrow. Do what the PA advises on this yeah, just because one or two people are doing something wrong or against what's advised doesn't mean that everyone should then go and do that. Well, that's where I think these guys would say you're wrong because they see other 
uh, players doing it, and they're saying they're getting a competitive advantage if we don't do this. Man, it, it, it's it's it's, important, to, it's more important to do the right thing. I, than uh, I agree with you, advantage. but I'm just telling you what I think these guys are thinking is, dude, Brady's doing it. We have to do it. And Brady's saying, I'm taking any opportunity I can to get a leg up on the competition. And I saw today that the group in Tampa Bay has grown. They just yeah. added Mike Evans to the fold today. They're adding people, not subtracting. That yeah, they're so adding people stupid. in the middle of a freaking hot spot. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's – uh, no, I, I, I would prefer – if they were to take the NFLPA's advice and, and stick with what they're doing or not doing, because the NFLPA is doing this based off medical uh, opinions right now, just because Tom just, Brady and, you know, he's the GOAT, but he is 100% wrong in this. Does the TB12 method strike you as something that follows uh, <laughs> scientists' advice? Let's ask Mace on that one. Let's talk about Alex Guerrero. Let's talk about a guy who was promoting, claiming that he had things that cure cancer. It turned out to be phony and quackery. And, you know, quack's going to quack. And exactly. the duck is following the guy that's quacking. So Exactly. So all I'm saying is I don't know if Tom Brady is exactly the one that we should be expecting to uh, listen to mm-hmm. doctors and scientists. I right. totally agree. So. Okay. Uh, next one's from Am I Right or Amarillo? Mace's talk of missing geographical rivalries got me thinking. The missing Pennsylvania rivalry between the Steelers and Eagles has, been, has an interesting history. During World War II, both teams had lost a number of players to the armed forces and temporarily merged to form the Phil Pitt Steagles in 1943. Imagine briefly a world in which the NFL has fallen on hard times before the 2021 season and has become necessary for our beloved Broncos to merge with the closest team geographically the Kansas City Chiefs. Build your 2021 starting lineup for the Denver City Briefs from the players currently available on each roster. If this thought is too sickening, which it is for me, substitute the Colazona Cardcos. Oh, man. In Denver. That actually, that, that, is, that is, that sounds like a podcast topic if, God forbid, training camp gets delayed. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick let's just do offensive skill positions okay you obviously take Mahomes. that's yep. the end um percent wide receivers though is where it gets really interesting for me you obviously are taking tyreek hill yep mm-hmm. um and then what i'm taking Cortland sutton Cortland sutton is an automatic right I'm ta- honestly, I'm, I'm taking Sutton Jerry is an Judy. Automatic. I'm, I'm taking Jerry Judy over I, Cortland Sutton, though. My well, three wide, my three wide, yeah, three wide is Hill, Judy, and Sutton. So okay, all right. So uh, no Sammy Watkins, no Michael Hardman. But gosh, what if you put Hamler with Hardman and Hill? <laughs> no, I'm taking Judy over over Hardman for sure, but. What if you have wow. Judy, who's just like slicing up the defense, and then you have Hamler and Tyreek that literally defenses can't put enough guys on them or deep enough to stop? Jeez. And then, and then, and then you have Travis Kelsey, right? You're taking well, him over Noah Fant. You do realize the Chiefs could have done this. They could have just used their last pick in the first round to draft KJ Hamler. Yep. Yeah, they could have, but I guess instead they wanted the running back. Can you imagine though? Yeah. <laughs> and then Travis Kelsey. Just, okay, so then, so I like it. I think we're right. We're right on there. Hill, 
Judy Sutton is the best combination you can create there. And then tight end, you obviously take Travis Kelsey. Yep. Um, you get one running back. Ooh. Because I want parts of all three. I want, I want some of Melvin Gordon. I want some of Phil. I want some of Edwards Hilaire. And that other guy who doesn't yeah. get enough credit. Damian Williams. Yep. There he is. His name is so normal, it's hard to remember. <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I'm taking Phil. I, I feel like this offense, with, with that added speed, of Philip Lindsay. I mean, I feel like that's what they're trying to recreate with Edwards Hilaire, but Phil's already proven. Gosh, so much room to roam. I know. Man, I, I gotta go with I gotta agree with you. I gotta go with Phil. Man, that is dangerous. Dangerous. It, any I mean, I feel like if you combined any two NFL rosters, you could choose any two and they would be the Super Bowl favorite. Mm. If you got to pick the best players on any two rosters. How about uh, how about Carolina and Cincinnati? <laughs> I was going right. to say the Bengals and Jacksonville. Yeah. Okay, you need a quarterback. Yeah. Any two where one of them has a <laughs> franchise quarterback. Okay. Well, Maybe. you could say the Bengals, if you think Joe Burrow is going to be all that in a bag of chips, then – I don't. Okay, then – okay, and – yeah, okay. It, it be, I'm thinking, like, it might be hard with Washington and Jacksonville, but you'd have a pretty good defense. But neither of those teams have a, have a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins, come on. Wait, Gardner Minshew led a comeback against the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> a, late, a late game comeback drive. <laughs> well, Aww. yeah, uh, the, the Redskins are going to be drafting a quarterback next season. Yes, the other question be. is whether it's going to be Trevor Lawrence or not, because I think they're going to be that bad. I think so, too. Um, the Colazona Cardo, Cardcos, that's oh. another fun one to build that offense. Who's um, your quarterback? Kyler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've already done this conversation. I, I, my offense would fit Kyler's strengths more than Drew's. Um, <laughs> I mean, so you go Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Philip Lindsay, um, Noah Fant. Yeah, there's your yeah. group. Oof, pretty good. And then you have uh, you have Fitzy just as like a, a role player. Can you imagine a defense trying to cover DeAndre Hopkins and Cortland Sutton? And then also having to deal with Jerry Judy. Wow. So who, who would you rather have? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, on the Broncos. DeAndre Hopkins or Tyreek Hill? Tyreek. Yeah. Putting aside, putting aside his – Of course. I'm just talking about on field. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Because if we're talking about the whole package, I want no part of Tyreek Hill on my team. But I, I honestly yeah, think but, that Tyreek Hill is the hardest player to defend in the NFL. Yeah, he, he is. He is. So, you know, like, if, I, if you give me the pick of any wide receiver, I'm picking him. I think I am, too, for, for one season, mm-hmm. for this coming season. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I want the complete guy. I, I, I want the guy that can do everything. And I, it's hard for me to, to turn down DeAndre Hopkins if I can have really? one, if I can have so one receiver. Do you think Hopkins is the best receiver in the NFL? I, he's the most complete receiver. Or most valuable receiver in the NFL. That's 
What? So you were crazy because he was traded for what was it? Second round. <laughs> yep. I'm not saying Bill O'Brien is smart. Oh, 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 I know, I know. I'm just saying that just makes it even more unbelievable. So where does where does Stefan Diggs rank in terms of top wide receivers? In there, somewhere. Like top ten, like around yeah, number ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and in then the top he 10. a couple weeks later he was traded for a first round pick. Yep. Again, <laughs> nobody. Yeah. You know what both of those guys do really well? Run routes. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know what uh, one Jerry Judy does really well? Exactly. (laughs) Tyree Kill doesn't even have to be that good of a route runner. Yeah. Nope. And he is good. And you know what those route runners often do if they stay healthy? They remain effective well into their 30s. Look at Larry Fitzgerald, a superior route runner. Yeah. And he's still a valuable player. And it feels like he's been playing forever. Yeah. Who? Yeah, I mean, Fitz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the reasons that, that Tom Brady's stuck in the league so long, just a very precise route runner. Here's, a, here's, the problem with <laughs> Matt, here's the problem with Madden. Whenever I play online head-to-heads, I play with the Cardinals, and I bench Larry Fitz every game. Because <laughs> you bring in speed, right? I bring in – my starting wide receivers are Andy Isabella – um, uh, Christian Kirk and Demir Bird, no one less than 92 speed. <laughs> and then I you have yeah, Fitz at like a 71. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I couldn't do that to Fitz. I that I remember. I have sentimental value in terms of how much I like him because I remember. I remember watching him at Pitt and just having a complete man crush on everything that he could do in college. And I've kind of yeah, he's. He's also one of the few guys in the league who's clo- who's relatively close to me in age now. So I like the old guy, except for Tom Brady. I like the old guys hanging on. I mean, there's literally nothing not to like about Larry Fitzgerald. His dad is a journalist, so he has like the utmost respect for the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he uh, is a good golfer. I mean, he's just he's got the whole package. He finished yeah. his degree at the University of Phoenix. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's pretty awesome, but he can't cut it in Madden anymore. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> From Broncos Sooners. Oh wait, that was only part one of Am I Right? Oh wow! <laughs> if you're gonna leave a question that takes that much time to answer, that's the only one you get. Uh, he says MLB will return to play. That's awesome, but minor league play will not be returning this year. A sad mm-hmm. fact for us poor folks out here. With only double A clubs to cheer for locally. Oh well, there's always next year. You hit it. You heard it here first. Amarillo Sod Poodles, 2021 <laughs> Texas League champs. We'll be pulling yeah. for them in 2021, Amarillo. Hopefully, think, yeah. The minor it's, league stuff is scary, man. I feel really bad for all those guys. It's yeah. a, there's a lot of really talented people who are losing their jobs right now in yep. minor league baseball, and that's and just, guys it's really sad. Who have been fighting for their dreams, you know working your way through the minor leagues is one of the ultimate grinds of sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just hate the fact that some of these guys are going to have to rethink whether that's a worthy thing to pursue anymore. Yeah. And there are, pe- there are guys, yeah, there are people there, you know, uh, guys and gals that are, they're working in minor leagues that are as talented, maybe more talented than a lot of people that you're going to find in the big leagues. And uh, I mean, I didn't work in minor league baseball. I did work in arena football, which kind of had a lot in common with minor league baseball as far as the bus trips and all that. And uh, it's some of the it, it, some of the best days of my professional life and some of the best experiences 
of my professional life. So I really, I, I, I feel badly for all of them because that's, to me, it's, you know, they do just such great work down there. And uh, it really is for the love. It's not for the money. It's, it's for the love of the game and the love of the business. And, uh, you know, I just hope that uh, minor league sports can bounce back and we're on the other side of this and uh, everybody can be back working in the, in the, in sports. Yeah, completely agree. He says threes for Drew and Mr. B. Four. I heard it said here that the Steelers may be Denver's top rival outside of the division. Couldn't agree more. I started following a trend a while back in which the two teams are rarely good at the same time. However, when they are, they're destined to meet in the playoffs. The winner often enjoys years of success and champions to, championships to follow, while the loser is plunged into years of mediocrity until the teams even out and meet again. I followed this closely because my brother has been a big Steelers fan since the days of Cordell slash Stewart. I know RK loves that. Yes, he was so awesome. <laughs> Sorry for my long post. I don't think I've commented uh, in over a month, so it all built up. I tried to narrow it down my 75. 75. <laughs> and, and pick just a few for my boys to talk about. <laughs> Take it easy, folks. He makes an incredibly salient point there about how those playoff games can cause years of, of dominoes to fall because the 2005 AFC championship game, the Broncos lose that. They don't come back to the playoffs for, for another five, for another uh, five years. They miss it for five seasons. When they make it back, they meet the Steelers. And of course it's the Tim Tebow game, the touchdown pass to Demarius Thomas and with Peyton Manning coming in a couple months later, that launches the Broncos on their own multi-year run of success. And, of course, remember, Peyton Manning's first start and first win as a Bronco was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, What about the was. Shelby Harris game? What did that do? It had no impact. Or is it only if they meet in the playoffs that it changes the courses of the franchise? I th- yeah, I, 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 think, uh, I think what Am I Right or Amarillo kind of was pointing to is – that they're destined to meet the playoffs, and then the winner of the playoff is the one who has the years of successful outcomes after that. Fair enough. From Broncos Sooners, New York Rangers. Hey, guys, hope you're having a great day. What moment in Broncos history made you literally jump in excitement? Well, we just talked about it. Tebow to DT in the playoffs. (laughs) I I was going to say anything that Tim Tebow did pretty much. Yep. He says, when I think about it, Brandon Stokely's game-winning catch in the 9 season has to be the answer. We played sound on defense all game, and the offense was abysmal. The Bengals got a late touchdown after the defense pitched a shutout all day. The Broncos ended up with a lunky bounce in the end. Um, yeah, that one, I was, like, in shock. Uh, I remember exactly where I was, and uh, I was, like, I was at this girl's house, and I was just, like, watching the game by myself. um and like uh, there are a few other people there and no one cared and I just remember being like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god like just saying (laughs) and everyone's like what I'm like you have to watch this and it's one of those moments where you wish you were at the DNVR bar and like people around you cared because no one around me realized how incredible what had just happened was Stokely down the sideline. Yep. Stokely, wow! <laughs> One of Gus Johnson's greatest moments, and the list of those is long. <laughs> the he also adds and says, "2015 with the Chiefs with Jamal Charles fumbles was also a great moment." Uh, and I'm digging deep into my childhood memory, but I remember a 1999 game when we beat Seattle in a season when we finished six and ten. 
Glenn Cardez, Cardrez, Cadrez, Cadrez. Sorry, Cadrez stripped John Kitna in overtime. Classic game in a very forgettable season. Thanks for taking the time to read all of our posts. You guys are truly the best, and I enjoy tuning in uh, daily. <coughs> this one's for you. You know what um, I remember about those two as well is also the reactions of people who were for the other teams. Jamal Charles's fumble. I remember the reactions of the Kansas City people sitting behind the Broncos media in the press box and uh, hearing profanities, uh, pens being thrown around in frustration, just complete anger from the Chiefs people uh, that were sitting behind us. And I'm surprised then the, they were able to see what happened from Mars. Yeah. <laughs> Binoculars are essential when you're sitting up uh, in the low Earth orbit. And then the Seattle game, I was actually working in Seattle uh, on the NFL.com desk out there at the time. And so the office I was in was almost entirely Seahawk fans. And it was – even more profanity than you heard from the Chiefs people when Glenn Cadrez was taking that fumble and going in the other direction to win that game back in 99. So uh, I'm, I think I remember that game. Was there some controversy about like flipping the fumble forward uh, to, cause it, it, it was, a, was it a scoop and score? Yeah, it was in overtime. Yeah. Okay. So I think I remember this. And I feel like there was some controversy. Like one of the Broncos players like went to recover it and rolled and almost like tossed it, it like knocked the ball down the field. Uh, and then someone scooped it and scored. And there was like controversy over whether that should have been an illegal uh, forward pass or, or illegal batting or something. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, mem- I just – I remember that Crockett had the hit. Yep, that's definitely that. what I'm remembering. Our, I, our guy, our guy Ray Crockett, good friend of all of us. Yep. There was, yeah, I'm, I'm 99% sure that, that I remember the announcers being okay. like, oh, I don't know if, he, if that should have been allowed. He kind of <laughs> tossed the ball there. Man, Broncos, Sooners, New York Rangers, great, great comment. And one of the things when we were reading this that it brought to my mind was the difference between the Tim Tebow years and the Peyton Manning years from a fan's perspective nothing the Broncos were never supposed to win with Tim Tebow all the comebacks were never supposed to happen so it was like oh my gosh he did it it was a lot of like jump in the air moments from him and the Manning era it was a complete opposite they were supposed to win every game it was never supposed to be close so let's say they did have one of those moments where they won a game that they shouldn't have in the situation it was more of like a oh Wow, phew, yeah, yeah, they finally got that one. Jeez, and then you come in Monday, and, you know, if we were doing a pod back, then we would have been saying, oh, man, that that was, you know, it would have been a depressing tone almost even after when we're the Tebow ones. It just would have so much excitement. And it, it in a way, that's what made the Tim Tebow game so much fun was you had all of those moments all the time. The best part about the Tebow era was that it was in the Twitter era, early Twitter era. Mm -hmm. But those of us who were Tebow believers spent the whole game defending him while (laughs) everyone else was just crapping on him and telling us what idiots we were. In the victory laps you were able to take on Twitter after he did it again was just so <laughs> incredible because you know the whole game you'd have people being like this guy sucks how can you and you just like respond like just wait just wait just wait <laughs> and it happened and damn near more times than not well actually definitely more times than not 
he made it happen at the end and you got to tell everyone what idiots they were for writing him off. <laughs> By the way, I just went back and rewatched Seahawks Broncos, the Glenn Cadrez play. Uh-huh. What happened was this. So he Crockett went gets, back and watched. <laughs> it's on YouTube. I just went and found the clip. Impressive. So Crockett gets the sack and the ball is bouncing and there and as he hits the ground, he kind of lands on the ball. So I can see why there would be, be some thinking, oh, he pushed it. But it's really – it's just bang, bang, and it's completely inadvertent, and there's nothing intentional there. So I, 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 good point by bringing that out – by bringing that up, RK. But uh, it, that, watching on replay, definitely no intentional batting of it. It was just kind of bang, bang. He fell on the ground. The ball squeaked, squeaked out. Kadres picked it up. Yeah, that's one of the more memorable Broncos games for me, too. I mean, based on the year there, I was seven years old, and I remember that play very, very vividly. And kind of like the Tebow games, the Broncos weren't expected to win that. They were in the middle of a 6-10 and season. They'd already lost the Seahawks in the Kingdome. The Seahawks did win the AFC West that year, albeit with a modest 9-7 record. It was not a game that the Broncos were widely expected to get the dub, and they did. And so that – those games when you are when you're down as a team or mediocre as a team and you beat somebody that's perceived to be better than you those hey those feel really good and they feel it's a different kind of euphoria than just riding the wave of a team that is supposed to win exactly exactly next one coming in from butch cassidy you gents ever had a beer float my lady and i poured some breck vanilla porter over some ice cream and it was in a word sexy what is your single most important trait in a running back okay wow we're, we're bouncing off two very different <laughs> walls right here i right, ever had a beer float yeah and vanilla porter is a great beer to do that with it will be uh, you got to get a dark one like that yeah i might actually recommend if you're going to do it again and you're going to use a breck brew the nitro irish stout if you do it with that it's perfect yeah a nitro mm. Mm, creamy yep and then of course you can get the uh, not not necessarily a cold brew, but a cold brew float <laughs> at the uh, ice cream shop across the street from the DNVR bar, and that will change your life as well. It sounds like it will certainly. What's your most important trait in a running back? Hair, um, hair. That- <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a combination of elusiveness and contact balance but if i had to choose one i would just choose contact balance Mm. i'd go with uh it's sort of the combo of vision and decisiveness vision to be able to see the hole and decisiveness to attack it and uh and not not stutter step not hesitate just when you see the opening go yeah this is the reason my love of contact balance is why you'll see me you know in the draft process in any time, you'll always see me falling in love with the with the short, stocky running backs. It's so hard to tackle those guys, and when you hit them, it just moves them. It doesn't knock them over. It just moves them. And guys like Philip Lindsay, guys like uh, even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, guys like Eno Benjamin, who's on my Cardinals now. I love the way that they're able to absorb contact without getting knocked over. I always look at when, when I play Madden, I always look at awareness. How smart is a guy? And I think in, in a real football, the thing for that is vision. So I'll go with vision as well. Uh, unfortunately, we saw with Devontae Booker what not having vision looked like. Just, I mean, oh. 
just running into your own players all the time. And with Philip Lindsay, he has – now, of course, Philip has more than just vision, but patience and stuff. But uh, the, the vision that he has to pick out the holes is, is a huge reason why Philip Lindsay has succeeded as an underdog and why Devontae Booker didn't fully work out uh, as a mid-round pick. Yeah, you know, it takes a lot of traits to be a great running back. Um, you can't really just get by on vision if you don't have explosiveness. Um, you can't get by on explosiveness if you, can't, if you don't have vision. You can't get by on contact balance if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't have the um, explosiveness or vision to be able to, you know, to make plays off of it. So there's a lot of different, you know, you got to be able to make jukes. And there's a lot that goes into being a good running back. Gosh, now, mm-hmm. if, this isn't the most important one, but a bonus one that I would throw in is patience. I mean, watching when a running back is patient, and Le'Veon Bell is great at this, is just a thing of beauty. Yeah, very few are able to truly be patient all the time. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you don't have the patience to spend four hours on a golf course, but you still want to play golf, WGT is the game for you. It does still require some patience, might I add, but not nearly as much as the true game of golf. Uh, and it's a, a hell of a game. It's really smooth. Uh, you really have full control over the outcomes that happen in the game. Uh, it feels like a video game on a console that you can play right on your phone. So head over to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. And when you go in, join the DNVR2 Country Club. Extremely fun to get in on the tournaments that we do. We should have one coming up this weekend, so don't hesitate. Go into the DNVR Country Club, DNVR2 in the search bar, all one word, the number two, uh, and, and go to dnvrgolf.com to download the app. And guys, if you've had too much patience with the hair below the belt and it has just gotten out of control, I have the perfect solution for you. Check out Manscaped and get yourself a Lawnmower 3.0. It'll take care of any patient hair that's just been patiently waiting for you to take care of it. It'll clip it off no matter how long it is, and it is the perfect razor. They spent 18 months making this thing a beauty and it is a thing of beauty so get the lawnmower 3.0 also get the perfect package 3.0 which comes with that lawnmower 3.0 it also comes with a crop preserver which is an anti-chafing deodorant the crop reviver which is a spray-on toner and comes with the travel bag disposable shaving mats and the comfiest set of anti-chafing boxers you've ever worn and guys on top of that to the perfect package might i recommend the peak hygiene plan where if you have the perfect package it's a subscription where you get a replacement blade delivered to your door every three months so you always have the cleanest shave with with no it uh nicks or anything going on so make sure to check out manscape and when you do use that code dnvr20 for 20 percent off your entire purchase plus free shipping great stuff get in on that Next one coming in from 
Thick Fangio, just my luck. I finally get Mace on the pod when I trash talk Carolina barbecue and it's his birthday. I'm uh, sorry, Mace. I hope y'all know that all my trash talk is always in good fun. And I just might take your advice and try the different sauces of North Carolina. Sounds like a solid excuse to eat more barbecue. You never need an excuse to eat more barbecue, but I agree. Maybe if we can someday get that barbecue tour of North, of North Carolina, then Thick Fangio, you should come along with us. That'd be if, awesome. you could only, if you could only eat one genre of food for the rest of your life, where would a barbecue rank? Uh, probably, it'd probably be in my top three. I'd have to say seafood is number one, though. I really don't think, wow. I mean, I, I could go without land mammals. I don't think I could go without shrimp, crab, salmon, lobster. So, seafood seems unfair to me because that gets to rope in. <laughs> I feel like sushi, like sushi has to go into Japanese food. And so you don't get to pull that in if you call seafood. Well, that's fine. But and if I had to live without sushi, I'd say fine. And I'd go seafood over sushi. So I would probably go my top three in no particular order right now. Um, barbecue, Japanese, and Mexican. Okay. Okay. I, you got it. Italian's got to be in the top three. It's got to be. So it's, a, it's there for me. Man, barbecue is so freaking good. It's in there as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess seafood. I'll go with mace. <laughs> yeah, so I was a pescatarian for many years. I, I had a lifetime worth of seafood then. Uh, other, <laughs> than, other than sushi, I pretty much never order seafood anymore. And, man, I'm even thinking of the barbecue stuff that you don't even need meat for. I mean, baked beans are probably one of my favorite things ever the barbecue mac and cheese is about as good as you can get and coleslaw is also one of my favorites i feel like i already only eat barbecue sushi and uh, <laughs> and mexican food <laughs> man mexican food's got to be in there too i do i will say italian is close um because of pizza it would be tough to give up to not have pizza but pizza and uh, pasta oh and gelato too I'm not a huge pasta guy. Like I like pasta, but um, it, it does. I don't crave pasta. I might crave like chicken parm with some pasta on the side, but okay, it's yeah. really just pizza and the Italian something. food that uh, that keeps me that that makes it number four probably. So you can't have like shrimp Alfredo. Yeah, I mean, in this world, you could not have it. But oh, because you're saying you have seafood, so you get any dish. That, uh, <laughs> no, so we're See, taking that gonna, out. Shrimp is not the an first option. word of the dish. Shrimp. You're, it's not. It's not Alfredo with shrimp. It's shrimp Alfredo. Seafood is not an option because then you could just say, "I'm getting. I'm taking land food." And yeah. that includes <laughs> – there's only two types of food, seafood and land food. But they don't have um, – they, they have seafood restaurants that are called seafood restaurants. There is no restaurant that is called – well, maybe somewhere there is, but there's not many that are called land food. Well, land could, food would actually be kind of a dope name for a steakhouse. Yeah, it would be. Would you also have uh, flying food? Chicken, Yeah. No, that is still land. (laughs) But like uh, a bird of some sort. Yeah, you're going to serve What flying bird do you want to eat? I don't know. Goose? I I thought there there was some. Yeah, maybe ducks. Ducks kind of fly. (laughs) Yeah. I had a friend who had had a BB gun when he was a kid, 
And his dad told him, okay, if you shoot something, you eat it. And he shot a sparrow. And his dad made him cook up the sparrow, you know, put it in the fryer, all that. Tasted like rubber bands. He never shot anything again. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Good job, Dad. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Rubber bands, huh? Yep. Yeah, one thing I haven't tried that just reminded me of that, as I've heard they do in West Virginia, is squirrel wings. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> what I've heard the they're world? amazing. Squirrel oh. wings? Yeah, so like you have them with like buffalo oh, sauce and whatnot, but it's like. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let frog you try le- that. I haven't had frog legs either. I've heard that's good. No, I haven't either. Mace, have you? Frog legs, I've had them once. And it's the South thing. Yeah, it, it tastes like tastes a little like chicken. I, I prefer gator tail. Gator tail is actually pretty good. I've had Frog alligator leg. sausage. Yeah. I didn't like it. It was really fishy tasting. Oh, yeah, and a sausage. I don't really want a fish hot dog. Although, didn't Zach? Didn't we have fried alligator at that restaurant in uh, uh, in New Orleans? Oh, I think we did. Yes, and it was bomb. Yeah, it was really good. It had like a little like remoulade or maybe yes, it was like a, the sauce know. was amazing. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here we go. We're getting ourselves hungry out here. <laughs> uh, Dramdia coming in with the next one. Says, greetings to the fam. Your answers to the question yesterday, uh, picking between Aaron Donald and Stefan Gilmore, got me thinking. What do you believe is the best way to build the team's strength on defense to stop Mahomes in Kansas City? In my opinion, from watching secondary coverage break down over time, I think given the choice, I would choose Aaron Donald and just pray that someone can tackle him or pressure him quickly enough. What do you guys think? It's very simple in in my mind, and we've talked about it a lot ever since the Super Bowl. It's interior pressure is how you stop the Chiefs. Right, and you couple that with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb coming on the outside, and man, pocket collapsing all the time. That's yep. that's that's a formula that'll that'll do it. Well, part of the formula also involves an offense that can play keep away. That's true as well. Yeah, but it, 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 the offense is never going to be able to stop the onslaught of Mahomes. Like you're not going to. I don't think you're going to win the game with your offense. Well, the the Colts though, when they beat the Chiefs last year, they did it basically by playing keep away by by just running the ball over and over, moving the chains. They got some help from the Chiefs with a few penalties here and there. But part of the – I think getting interior pressure, it's not enough. The Niners need to play keep away a bit better down the stretch than they did. And if they had, I think they would have won the game. He goes, in a different direction, what is the state of Kalfani Muhammad? I was fortunate enough to be in Denver during August last year, and I was impressed by his moves and passion. The memories from the preseason game against the Cardinals and watching practice on the lawn are even sweeter now with the reality that we will not be enjoying football in the same way this year. Peace and love to the team reading this on the pod today and the rest of the DNVR family. Take care of each other. Great. Yeah, great Calfani, message. I guess, would be fighting for that third running back spot. Um, I guess having Melvin Gordon on the team now, I would say, increases Calfani's chances of making the team because you're not you know I mean Royce Freeman isn't a power back in the first place but a coach could convince themselves that they need that thicker running back if you don't have it like you did like you didn't last year and Royce was obviously going to make the team last year but uh with with Devontae Booker out of the picture 
I guess it comes down to Royce versus Kalfani Muhammad for the third running back spot. And it's really going to be up to Pat Shermer, in my opinion, in terms of what he values there. Maybe John Elway wants to hold on to his third round pick, but you know, he's gotten a lot better at, at moving on from guys if it's not the best for the team. Yeah. It I, also I, might be, sorry. It also might be a fit matter of who are you more likely to be able to slip through the practice squad to because practice squad rules have changed and there's more liberal eligibility. So because you get Royce on there, based on the rules as they're structured, you'd have a spot for a guy like Royce with his experience. But Muhammad's probably the more likely one to be able to stash there, and especially if they have a bigger practice squad to try to account for potential absences due to COVID-19, then uh, I, th I think it might look the same with Royce on the 53 and Muhammad on the practice squad. Yeah, Royce. What, what would you be afraid of, though? Like, are you really afraid of losing Royce Freeman by putting him on the practice squad? I think by bringing Melvin Gordon in already, you've said you're not afraid of, of losing Royce. Yeah, I just in my third running back, I would much rather take a specialist than a, uh, you know, a generalist. But the thing with Muhammad, I mean, he's just he kind of strikes me as someone who's sort of in that. I mean, he's got the unique speed, but as far as the actual effectiveness in game conditions, you know, there have been a lot of, of running backs who have been effective in the preseason. I mean, just I kind of put him in the Jeremiah Johnson, Xavier Oman category. Here's here's maybe the biggest thing in defensive Royce. What happens if in touching wood here? What happens if you lose Melvin Gordon? Especially if you look through it uh, through the coaching staff's point of view. Then if you have Phil and Kalfani Muhammad, they would not feel comfortable with that. I don't think. That's fair. That is fair. But if you had Royce on the practice squad, you could just call him up. It's true. If the third-round pick would make it there. Ah, oh, man, I think you would, but that's I just don't me. know. I think, I think a third-round third pick and somebody who has been not incredibly productive but has had some flashes, there would be a team that looked back at scouting reports and just and plucked him. And so that's why I'd still, I'd still go with Royce on the 53 in California <laughs> on the practice squad. What's the point of having – I don't know. At a certain point, it's just like, what's the point of even having him on the practice squad? Um, but I just I'm, – I'm of the belief that you could, you could bring him in, use him on Texas routes, use him on wheel routes, give him a carry here and there and hope he breaks it, maybe a counter, you know, just hoping you can get him out into open space. He is so fast. That that's just worth more to me than Royce Freeman being a decent backup. Man, have him in the backfield, uh, you know, just a couple plays a game. But then with Hamler outside, Noah Fant, Albert Okuebunam in there, I mean, just put all the speed on the field. What if you did a three, uh, like a, a wildcat, you can direct mm -hmm. snap it to Phil or whoever you feel most comfortable with, and then flank him <laughs> with Calfani and KJ. Oh, man. Oh, danger. So I swear NFL coaches aren't creative enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have we ever had this much discussion about a fourth string running back? <laughs> he deserves discussion. He's legit. I mean, couldn't he also be your kick returner? That actually is probably his best way to try to make the team. I mean, Deontay Spencer is going to be your punt returner in all likelihood, but for him to earn the kickoff returner spot. Right. Right. And maybe he can be a gunner too. Gosh. Phil playing gunner when he was trying to make the team. Deontay truly being just a returner, he should be the kickoff and punt returner. Should be. He should, yeah. Especially since he 
can't run routes. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> All right, from the Big Tabowski. think we might need Mace for this one, so don't bother reading it unless he's on the pod. Oh, he's here. <clears throat> Whilst we're on the subject of divisions and rivals and all that, who do you guys think scra- – uh, uh, what do you guys think of scrapping the NFC and AFC and just having the NFL? I get the history, but I find it weird the Broncos and Chiefs can never meet in the Super Bowl. It would be easier to expand the league or shrink, easier to rework the divisions, and generally just make it more straightforward for fans to follow. And – can you imagine how sweet it would be for Locke to beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl? Man, that would be sweet. Do we really care about playing the Raiders, Chargers, and Chiefs twice a year in the regular season? Do we really have a rivalry with them? They live so far away. Rivalries in the UK, for example, are usually always between teams in the same city. See Man U and Man City or Celtic and Rangers. Uh, <clears throat> where you rub shoulders every day with your rival fans. That doesn't happen in the U.S. much as your country is so massive. Why do we even have these small divisions in the NFL? To cut down on travel costs? I know there used to be different divisions, coastal, central, century, capital, etc. But I've never worked out why someone came up with that brainwave rather than just one division. Peace out, the big T. So he's saying go the Premier League route here. And uh, and then the, the playoffs would just be seeded 1 through 16, right? Yeah, and – one reason why it won't happen is that uh, the league likes having the ability to say that eight teams were champions of something, champions mm-hmm. of their division. You sell merchandise that way. You make eight <laughs> teams feel good. Hey, we, you know, we won. We won something. Broncos 8-8 eight and eight in 2011, but we won the AFC West. Only like Chiefs and Chargers fans buy AFC West champions. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've been in a drought long enough. I mean, let's let's touch what this doesn't happen. But uh, you know, the if 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 this goes a few years longer in terms of the Chiefs owning the division, then when the Broncos finally break through, people will be buying that division champion gear. Look look at it this way, and, and I guess I know I'm only one person here, but I didn't even buy like a Pac-12. Uh, South Champions t-shirt when the Buffs won that like it's just not worth anything to me it's like okay you did the best in the regular season now now go play when it matters did you buy any Alamo Bowl gear um I actually didn't and I kind of regret that because the Alamo Bowl gear was pretty cool isn't that kind of the same thing because I mean the no the 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 non-playoff bowls or the the non uh you know the the non-huge bowls like that, that are in the uh you tie that to like yeah, the top tier. They're just they're the consolation prizes. You're tying that to like the experience, though. Like I, you know, I had a blast for a week in San Antonio. That's why I wish I had an Alamo Bowl shirt to to commemorate that. Um, whereas, like, just winning the AFC West is just like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do every year. Yeah, I, and those are relevant for six days until you then lose in the playoffs or you <laughs> win in the playoffs and just get a new one. I, I still have somewhere in in a drawer in my office here. I still have a 1999 Buccaneers NFC Central Champions hat because it was the first division that they won in 18 years. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, yeah. I, y'all I, don't I, know what it's like as Broncos fans. You just I'm a, don't know. I, I'm a Buffs fan. I know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, why didn't you buy the division champion shirt? I just I wasn't like <laughs> I was like cool. Now we have a chance to win the Pac-12. That's the only meaning it had oh. to me, and we didn't do that. Okay. Um, 
Like, now, it was awesome. It, you know, we charged the field. It was great. That, that, those are my, I don't need a shirt that says like, we, we won half of our thing. <laughs> now to go back to big Tabowski's point though, about just having a situation where you pull, where it's one league. I think the only way you would have that, and that would be if you ever had a scenario where you had NFL one and NFL two and you, Teams from each could make the postseason, but you divide it into two tiers, and thus you played everybody in your tier once, and that was your 17-game schedule. If you, say, expanded from 32 teams to 36, had 18 teams in the first tier, 18 in the second tier, and you just play everybody once in the course of a season. That's well, probably I mean, the only way you can pull that off. That's no different than just a, uh, an AFC and NFC and just getting rid of the divisions in between. Right. It, and then you just play everyone on your tier once. Right. That'd be interesting. But then, now, then it'd, it would be a lot harder to create rivalries and to have sustained rivalries. Now, the other thing to think about, what if you kept the divisions at four teams, but completely realigned and said, we're doing this on, ge- on almost exclusively geographical factors. So for example, Dallas, you're no longer in the NFC East. You're in either some kind of central Gulf Coast, Southwest division. Houston's going to be in your division, for example. The Broncos could be in there. Potentially, yeah, because you'd say – Broncos, Texans, Cowboys, Cardinals? Yeah. Well, let's let's kind of move from yeah. west to east. You have Seattle, San Francisco, the two L.A. teams, Las Vegas, Arizona, Denver, and then – who is that? Who would be that eighth team? Kansas City or a Texas team? And but you don't want to split up the Texans Texas team, so in all likelihood, it would probably be Kansas City. Well, but why? Why eight? Wouldn't it be sixteen? Well, no. You're starting. I'm saying you're starting your realignment of of four team divisions, and I'm saying you start from kind of the west and work your way eastward, and say, okay, mm. let's you know, let's say hypothetically, you've got uh, the two LA teams and Las Vegas and Arizona. And that is kind of your Pacific Southwest. And then your, like your West, your Northwest division is Seattle, San Francisco, Denver, and Kansas city. That sounds Which, terrible for the Broncos right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't have Kansas city in a Northwest division. If you're doing it based on geography. I mean, in that case, I think you got to at least throw a team that's either north or west since Kansas City's <laughs> neither and you got to go with an LA or the Raiders or something. No, well or, no, actually are you moving Minnesota over? But then you separate Minnesota from all the other teams. I think they've got it's, the north. Can and Kansas in Kansas City it's further west than Minneapolis. It's farther west than Dallas or Houston. So if you're basically looking on a map and saying, what are the four teams that are in the Northwest? Or maybe you call it something else. Maybe you call it like, we well, don't want to call Legends it the Legends and the leaders. They're, yeah, <laughs> there are no mountains in Kansas City. But like, if you're kind of just taking a map and saying, okay, well, like here's the Northwest quadrant of the country, you are getting Denver, Kansas City, Seattle, and San Francisco right I'm doing, I'll if just I, say this. If, the, if there's any realignment, you and some Broncos fans are going to hate this. 
but you just hope that there's for some reason that Kansas City is not in your division anymore. Yes, yes, with it, without a doubt. And the way I'm doing the geographical alignment is a California-Washington division. So you got the Chargers, uh, the uh, Rams, and the uh, Bay Area team, the 49ers, along with Seattle. And then you have the Broncos, Raiders, Kansas City, and uh, Cardinals. Arizona. Yeah. Yep. And that makes sense, but I just I like the I'm, if we're creating some divisions that are geographically compact, uh, Arizona, Vegas, and the two LA teams is actually a pretty tight division as far as geography goes. Expansion team in Utah, get rid of there. Kansas City. <laughs> there it is, and make no, sure Mahomes I, doesn't Utah. end up on that. Portland, I'd rather I'd rather go on road trips to Portland than Salt Lake City. That's fair. Utah, though. And I say good in the sense that they are there. They have good sports fans. They're not actually good, though. They're terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sounds like yeah. you got a personal grudge against Utah fans. No, they're just they're, – they have a bad reputation, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you could have, like, the mountain desert division with Arizona, Las Vegas, Denver, and Utah, and Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah, you could. Man, they, there's, so, there's so many possibilities here. The other Ryan chiming in. My boys, the NFL's reported safety measures to tarp off the first six to eight rows of seats at NFL stadiums to maintain extreme physical distancing, assuming any fans are able to attend, got me thinking. If the Broncos and other NFL teams are going to attempt to recoup some lost stadium revenue from ticket and concession sales with advertising on these banners and tarps, does that increase the likelihood that this becomes the new norm into future seasons? If fans are allowed to attend games in 2020, what happens to season ticket holders who lose those blocked off seats? I just don't see an equitable, workable way of having fans attend this season, as not all season ticket holders will be likely will likely to be able to attend games this season due to capacity and spacing restrictions. Additionally, I really think that the Broncos need to up their playing feet field walls game by including more of the team's greatest moments including some of the ring of famers as well as photos as the artwork what do you think of the idea thanks for getting us through another week dnvr me salute that's an amazing <laughs> idea uh, as far as the ring of famers around the field like you should have one cluster of ring of famers on the banners at one end of the field one cluster at the other the more visibility for those about- guys the better you're talking about in terms of uh, the band, the things that are going to cover up the stands. I'm I, well. I'm not. I'm for this year, sure. But I'm saying permanently that when when you get back to normal on the walls, the banners that go over the walls should salute the Ring of Famers. I lo- I think that the walls, the more simple they are, the better it looks. Like if they were just orange, I would be happy. Um, but that's just me. Um, as far as the season ticket holder stuff with blocking off the rows or whatever, they'll be, you know, they'll probably have to give those people a discounted rate, but as they're going to have to do with everyone, because not everyone's going to be able to go to every game in this scenario, but they'll be able to find a place to put them in the stadium. Yeah, because what's going to happen if they have to implement distancing, everybody's going to move, right? I mean, you're going to have people that are sitting, that are used to sitting in, in the lower level, on the 40 yard line. But if you have distancing and you're limited to say 25,000 capacity, some of those people are going to be sitting up in the, in, in the 500 level. Yeah. That's if, if they're going to find a way. Yeah. It's because they, because they have to spread the, they have to spread the crowds out. Now, one thing 
from a conversation that I had with somebody in the college athletic department, and uh, he mentioned this, how, what level of capacity teams have is going to be critical because if, let's say it's done by a percentage, the percentage has to reach a point where it's viable to have fans in the stands because they're going to be spreading fans all over, and thus that means every restroom's got to be open. You've got to have concession stands open on all three levels in order to make this work. You're not going to be able to do like you did at Mile High back when the Rapids played there and say, okay, our capacity is 20,000, and we're going to cluster everybody on the, the lower two levels, and those are the only parts of the stadium that are going – going to be open in terms of concession stands and restrooms so you have to have pretty much full-scale staffing at a stadium on game day and if a municipality says okay it's 10 percent i don't know if it's going to be worth a team's while to even open up for 10 percent it's got to be probably a higher percentage than that to justify opening the doors yeah it, it definitely would have to be i agree with you mace and uh and also with your your question on wondering if banners will stay in the stadium following this year once teams are allowed to have full stadiums and that's the most profitable way to go that's the way to go you don't have to worry about you know mile high going from 75,000 capacity to 60,000 because they have banners don't worry about that at all that won't happen not here there may be some teams where you do but uh, uh not in denver not with uh not not with the season ticket base not with the uh the, the length of the waiting list, number of names on the waiting list. I think the banners are kind of on everybody's mind because we're looking at the Premier League right now. We're seeing – I'm watching uh, Burnley and Watford, and I'm seeing banners all over uh, all over Burnley's ground. And uh, we actually saw Manchester City yesterday. Their tarps, a lot of them had images of fans yep. superimposed on the tarps. So just as a point of reference here, uh, the PGA as of right now, and um, the commissioner confirmed this yesterday, they're still planning on, ha on having the first event with fans in the United States. And that is the memorial uh, was taking place uh, from July 16th to the 19th. So they're going to give it a shot, at least as of now. I wouldn't be surprised if that changes, but the commissioner said yesterday they're still planning on that. Uh, and they said they're going to have um, uh, up to 8,000 fans at that tournament now. You know, 18 holes and acres and acres of space, you can spread those people out, 8,000 people out quite a bit. But that would be, uh, you know, an interesting step. If they're able to pull that off uh, and do that, that would be an interesting step in terms of fans uh, being at sporting events in the United States. And now, really RK. Did you? Did they say whether fans were still going to be able to walk the grounds, or are they going to be kind of told to stay in one spot? It doesn't say here um, what that says, but it's about twenty percent of their capacity is eight thousand. Well, and and one thing that we didn't talk about with the Hall of Fame, this is with the Hall of Fame game. Uh, and ceremony changing was this was the first uh, thing that has changed with the NFL season so far. Obviously, the virtual offseason program, but with the actual NFL season, this was the first thing that the coronavirus has truly impacted. And, and, and it's no surprise that, that that's why it wasn't a big deal in the leading topic of our conversation with that, because heck, we expect right now what two preseason games to happen, let alone five. 
for those teams playing in the Hall of Fame game. But this is the first thing that the, the coronavirus has impacted in terms of the NFL season. I'll be shocked if they have the first two preseason games. Yeah, yeah I, I fully expect um, it'll be two. Let's go. Let's keep getting rid of all the crap that doesn't matter. <laughs> and maybe that'll stay for the future, too. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, next one here from Orange and Blue All Over. Howdy, gents. Grab that wood because it's time for the Rona 2 swap. Swap today is for my man Mace, kicker and punter. If you had to have a kicker or if you had to have a kicker punt or a punter kick, which way would you go? If the punter had to kick, how much more would Vic go for two? Uh, how much is field position from punts truly worth? Cheers. I know what the Broncos would do because Brandon McManus can punt. Yeah. So the question this is, here is, this is so to, easy. Oh, you think it's easy? So I think yeah. it all depends on what type of team you have. Because in my opinion, um, Britton Colquitt was more important to the 2015 Broncos than Brandon McManus was uh, in terms of how much they needed to flip the field position. Now, I know that Brandon McManus was perfect in the playoffs, um, and that was very important as well. But that team played field position all season. The reason that they had the number one seed was because they dominated field position all year. Yeah, one uh, kicks the ball to help you with field position. The other puts points on the board. You're taking the guy that puts points on the board all day. Give me a kicker so that you're still accurate in the kicking game and have him punt instead of 50-yard punts if they're 30-yard punts. Oh, well. I'm of the belief, though, that anything inside fourth and five on the other side of the 50, you should go for anyway. So Then there uh, you go. I agree with you. But realistically, you should also be going for it on fourth and two, fourth and three, even back at your own 25-yard line. So that would diminish the the importance of the punter, too. The risk, in my opinion, there is a bit higher, though. So I'm taking kicker easy. Ryan, are you taking punter? It just depends on my team construction. For the Broncos this year, give me the, uh, the kicker. Mace? I'm taking kicker more often than punter. I mean, there's a few, there's a few punters that can, place, that can place kick, but over time there's a, a bigger chunk of kickers who can punt at least adequately. So I'm going to go with the kicker. Yeah, and I think the, the real kicker here – no hey, pun intended. Definitely <laughs> pun intended. Pun 100% intended. Uh, the real kicker here is that it's. I think it's easier to learn how to be a punter than it is to be a professional kicker. Right. Yes. Yeah. I. I, to- I totally agree. Well, remember yeah. oh, this is this is dating me, but Randall Cunningham used to step in and punt on occasion for the Eagles, and he had like a 91-yard punt at one point in a game in Buffalo. Wow. Yeah, you can you can find some guys to come in and blast the ball. Yeah, if you, you need de- to, you definitely can. I think we blasted that comment. And last Warren one, I think Sapp could punt. Warren wow. Sapp could punt. Wow, the pinch. Last one coming in from Onion Booty Bronco says, "Please tell me my comment made the deadline." Nikki Javala is covering the Redskins now. What? Why? Such a loss for Broncos country. Can you guys speak to your thoughts on this and her with a heavy heart? Onion Booty. Yeah, you know, uh, this is a good way to finish the podcast because it's a sad day. Um, I, uh, I'm i super bummed that Nikki's leaving. 
she was one of the cooler people I thought in the Broncos media room. Uh, it was also great to have a female presence in there from a beat writer perspective. Uh, and, we're, and we're losing that. She was obviously a great reporter, done incredible work on the ownership uh, and, and so much other stuff. So, yeah, I think uh, I speak for all of us, and you guys can obviously speak as mm -hmm. well. But when we say that, uh, we're definitely bummed that we're going to be losing Nikki. Yeah, without a doubt, fantastic at, at what she she has done, uh, has been around in Denver for a while and, you know, became a, a good friend as well. So it's a bummer that we're losing that as well. Yeah, a good, very good person. And again, I echo what you guys said about her work. The Washington Post, though, man, it's one of those places when where they call, you accept the charges. Yeah. <laughs> big time. And, yeah. and, I, and let's face it, uh, we see newspapers and uh, media outlets around the country that are, that are struggling a little bit. Who's the owner of the Washington Post? Jeff Bezos. The pockets are basically bottomless there. Yeah, and you speak of, you know, the places that you answer. If they call, Nikki has put together quite a resume. New York Times, Sports Illustrated, now Washington Post. Of course, the Denver Post and the Athletic here in Denver. Um, so uh, all deserved for her and uh, super happy for her. But selfishly, we're, we're bummed that she's going to be heading out. And, that's a, and that is a, uh, that's an interesting team to cover. Put it this way, the Broncos – you know, they, they do make you feel welcome when you're over there for the most part in terms of covering the team. Washington, they don't really want you around in any way. Interesting, interesting. That's a, that's a tough organization to cover. Well, it's, it, it, that, that is an adversarial relationship between a team and the media. Well, Washington. if there's anyone that I think can handle it, uh, yeah. Nikki's pretty darn tough, so – yeah, yep. she'll she'll do not great. Gonna, she's not going to stand down to any yeah any PR person. I'll tell With, you that without a doubt. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us on today's DNVR Broncos podcast. We finish with a shout out to Davidson's, uh, which has two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. They're locally owned. They've got everything you could need. Incredibly knowledgeable staff, uh, and just a great place to buy your beer, liquor, your wine, your spirits, whatever you need. Davidson's has it for you. And you can, of course, always get a 15-can sampler from Breck there. So get ready for your weekend, Thursday. So it snuck up on us. We're already here. Uh, head, head down to Davidson's and get set up. But for today, that's going to wrap it up for us on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Have a great day.